probably like my, my second month riding with the at the O'Connors and being based there and I was taking a lesson and I guess it I probably thought it was going fine I guess he probably didn't and he stopped me and he said what what do you want to do with your life and I said I want to do what you did, except better. Ooh. And he said, well, you should probably go to school. <laughs> you need options. Oh. <laughs> I don't think he was. <laughs> so he wasn't super impressed with me in the beginning either. I don't think. <laughs> but I was, I'm nothing if not stubborn and delusional. Welcome to the Major League Eventing Podcast, the show for eventing fans by eventing fans. And as usual, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Cowboy Magic. Karen, what are we highlighting this week? This week, we have the Cowboy Magic Detangler and Shine. So it detangles all types of hair knots, tangles, and dreadlocks instantly, no matter how difficult hair is to manage. The silk protein in Cowboy Magic Detangler and Shine results in a high reflecting shine after brushing. And it works on humans too. Well, when I when my mullet gets all tangled <laughs> up, Karen. Yeah, you need and it. And it gets naughty, this is what I use. Yeah. This is my secret. <laughs> this is my secret to my anti-tangled mullet. So but in, in all seriousness, though, it is it is fantastic stuff. Thank you mm-hmm. so much, Cowboy Magic. Get that detangler. You know what it's like. You pull that horse out of the field, and they're all tangled up, and you don't have any time for yeah. that, do you? Oh, yeah. So let's uh, get some Cowboy Magic detangler and shine and get to work. I'm Karen. And I'm Rob. Karen, super excited for today's Major League Event oh, podcast. Oh, yeah. We have so many great guests on. We're really, we're really hitting our stride right now. Oh, Cam. We are oh yeah. We're on fire. On fire. On fire. Today we have on Pan Am gold medalist, Karen, Lauren Nicholson. Lauren, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thanks, guys. Happy to be here. So you might be saying to yourself, who's Lauren Nicholson? She's <laughs> won a Pan Am gold medal. What year was that? <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. <laughs> Lauren Kiefer has been recently married. So congratulations, Yeah, Congratulations. Lauren. Thank you. <laughs> we were wondering who was riding your horses out there under the name Lauren Nicholson. <laughs> I, I certainly got a few questions. It's been a, a bit fun to actually be incognito. <laughs> <laughs> under the radar. This young up-and-comer yeah. out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like I got a lot of questions why I wasn't doing Red Hills and why I wasn't doing all these events. And I was like, no, I'll be there. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Oh, that's funny. Under the radar. How's married life treating you so good? <laughs> married life good? Uh, it's good. Yes, it is. Uh, he's actually, well, we're long distance at the moment because uh, he was in West Virginia when this um, lockdown happened. So he's there and I am down in Florida. And uh, But we've done long distance off and on our whole relationship. So. What else is We're new, fine. right? And if you marry an eventer, <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you if you if you yeah. if you're not her groom, <laughs> it's long distance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And the, we started dating the summer of 2016, right before uh, Rio. So he survived that year. Oh, he if he can survive an eventer in an Olympic year, he can survive any of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm surprised you had time to even focus on dating. You were probably like, oh, that's right, I have a boyfriend. <laughs> 
Oh, right. <laughs> Basically. That's fine. It was, it was a bit of a, I think it may have been a bit one-sided for him in the beginning, bless him. Yeah, that's what you sign up for when you when you date an eventer. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and how's the new puppy? Ah, he's great. Uh, uh, Benny is a bit unimpressed at the moment, but he's starting to like him. Aww. I think Benny quite likes being the baby of the group. But Bosley's fitting in. He's exhausted. He's been doing a lot of barn work. It's very hard for a puppy. <laughs> barn work. <laughs> so we, we just recently went through the same thing where we had an older dog and we brought in a puppy and it was like, yeah, it, it turned things upside down a little bit. But, ah, you know, yeah, they're like, it takes a while. Yep, yep, yeah, yep. it's been six months for us and it's still not. <laughs> <laughs> still not quite. <laughs> uh, so, Lauren, we'd love to hear your story. So, can you take us back and tell us how you actually got your start in riding and then into eventing? Um, well, I grew up uh, in the Midwest, Southern Illinois, in a very small um, country town. And uh, from all accounts from my parents, I was just horse crazy from the start, uh, not for any real reason. We didn't have horses or anything. And then when I was six, I made my my dad actually used to race dirt bikes. So we always had a lot of dirt bikes. And when I was six, I traded my dirt bike with a friend for their horse. Wow. So that's how I ended up with my first horse was uh, Appaloosa uh, named El Cujo. And then uh, from there, I graduated to a couple off the track thoroughbreds. And I tried my hand in eventing. I started riding with um, a local event trainer, Susanna Lansdale. And uh, I started eventing, I think I was like 11 or 12. And I, my first event, I fell off three times, I think twice before I got to the start box. And then once out on course, that was back when you could fall off and keep getting back yeah. on. And then uh, I think it took me a solid two years of events before I got an eighth place ribbon. And I was ecstatic. And as most of you know, an eighth place ribbon's brown, and I was I was ecstatic, and I kept calling it bronze, and then my dad called it a fluttering turd, and that <laughs> really devastated me. <laughs> she yeah. got bronze. Um, so, yeah, I got bronze, and uh, but that so I had a fairly uh, inconspicuous start, but um, yeah, I was hooked on a vintine, and then I was a barn rat at Susanna's until uh, I was 17. And then uh, my parents for my high school graduation got me the O'Connors used to do an O'Connor camp once a year and um, at the Virginia Horse Center. So my parents got me that for my high school graduation. And while I was there, I asked the O'Connors if I could come be a working student. And they said, sure, when? And I said, I can be there tomorrow. And they said, well, why don't you go home and pack your stuff first? <laughs> so I promptly went home, uh, withdrew from college, and then uh, headed out to the O'Connors and never left. Wow. How'd that conversation go with the folks? Yeah. Hey, coming from camp. Hey, by the uh, way. 
Uh, yeah. No, they actually, they uh, always supported 100%. Um, they were much more, you know, the conversation with them about, you know, deferring college was, well, you know, you can go to school anytime, like, take this opportunity while you can. And then, so they supported me um, for the, well, they've always supported me, but, uh, you know, they, they footed the bill for the first year. And then they, after that, they said, if you're not going back to school, it's totally fine, but you're on your own now. So. Wow. Uh, when I was 18. Yeah. And so then I just stayed. Wow. I wonder if the college is still honoring that deferment, Karen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, David, David always jokes with my dad. He's like, I'm not really sure how you figured out how to make me the one financially responsible for your daughter. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Dad, dad pulled that one pretty Likely. That's funny, but this worked out good. You got, actually got mentioned. Uh, we were just talked with David just just uh, n- not not too long ago, and he mentioned that you were riding over there with him. And I, uh, I yeah. I'd be kind of curious what his thoughts are. We did not ask him about college, and I'd be kind of yeah. curious if he's a pressure, <laughs> but I'm guessing not because he was no no problem stealing you away from from college for the rest. Well, of Well, actually, finally enough, uh, I I vividly remember this. I think um, probably like my, my second month riding with the at the o'connor's and being based there and i was taking a lesson and i guess it i probably thought it was going fine i guess he probably didn't and he stopped me and he said what what do you want to do with your life and i said i want to do what you did except better and he said well you should probably go to school (laughs) you need options (laughs) (laughs) i don't think he was (laughs) <laughs> so he wasn't super impressed with me in the beginning either I don't <laughs> but i was i'm nothing if not stubborn and delusional so <laughs> that's the greatest thing ever it is awesome oh my god you yeah. stuck with it you stuck yeah with it. Well, I think yeah. that's uh, that's that. I think that is the the, the biggest trait in eventers. The successful ones don't give up; they just keep going. Yeah, it isn't always. About, yeah, and you know, we hear a lot of eventers. Very few that we interviewed, Karen. I think you would agree. Were started off as world beaters as kids. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think Lauren's right. story is pretty common. That it was like the kids that <laughs> were working hard as a kid to keep up. You know, with the with the kids that were yeah. in the winter circle, you know, I think there might be something to be said about getting so much success so early on, and the people who have to work so hard for it, you know, staying hungry and mm-hmm. staying with it. So, yeah, There's it pe- is, it is interesting because I, I in, you know, a lot of the early on supernatural talent that everybody's like, this is the next big thing. Um, they certainly tend to fade out. And I think that is a big part of it. It, it, Sometimes it's a hindrance if it comes to naturally to you, because then when it inevitably gets super difficult, you just don't quite know how to cope with it. Yeah. Yeah. True. It's yeah. It's like when you're a natural right from the get go, when all of a sudden that adversity hits you, you're not used to it where when you're getting eighth, when it took you two years to get it up of the poo ribbon, you know, the bronze, as long right. as you call it. <laughs> yeah, my bronze. My bronze ribbon. <laughs> when it takes you two years to get that, you you know, you already have that ingrained that, hey, it's you clearly you're into the work side of it and the, and you're going yeah. and loving the horses and the success yeah. is the icing, the cherry, you know, not the 
Yeah. You know, oh, well, I'm going to go in the ring and I'm going to win, you know? So I think that's, yeah. I think that's right. <laughs> so now you're a working student and can you take us kind of through that progression? Cause you're still there basically based with the O'Connors yeah. or kind of somewhat. Uh, <laughs> <can> you- <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, basically a lot of uh, the good things, you know, the position I, I'm in, uh, obviously I had to work hard, but a lot of it was, the timing was really good, you know, as a working student for the O'Connors for a couple of years. And then, you know, at some point or not at some point quit pretty early, I had to find a way to pay for it. And, um, I went to them and said, you know, I've got a, can I, can I come in a couple hours later in the morning? Cause I need to start riding on the track to make money. And Karen said, well, you're not going to do that. Cause then you're just going to get hurt. And so they they made me, they actually, you know, fair due to them. Like they help you educate you that way. They made me go make a budget and show how much I need to make a month to, uh, support the horses and what I was doing. And I had to present that to them. And then we worked out, um, kind of a salary or whatnot. And so then I worked for them for, quite a few years and during that time Karen was downsizing when I first came was when David was just retiring so I got the opportunity to uh, ride and compete his old five-star horse Tigger 2 who actually took me to my first intermediate in advance and then you know through the years is my riding improved, you know, Karen was gone a lot and also downsizing. So I got to do a lot of catch riding on her horses, which was a huge, uh, opportunity for me. And, you know, and then also Karen was doing Miss Mars breeding pro riding her young horses and stuff. And as Karen was down, you know, getting out of that a bit, I got to, you know, she handed the reins over to me. And so kind of the natural progression eventually was then I just started working for Miss Mars full time doing the young horses in the breeding program. And then, um, you know, slowly, surely, you know, I got more rising horses from other owners and, you know, Miss Mars obviously owns the large majority of the horses I compete. And then I'm here, but, uh, it's still quite very much, um, kind of the O'Connor's program. You know, at both farms here in Virginia and Florida, like there's several barns on the property. So, you know, they're in one barn and I'm in one barn, but, you know, we ride and train together throughout the whole day. And they're still your coaches, essentially? Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, who else are you going to get? You know what I mean? Does it get any better? I mean, really? <laughs> <laughs> it's, just... it's, it's, it's done. It's done me all right this far. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, lately we've been really kind of hitting the O'Connor equestrian kind of scene. So we had Danny Mogell on not too long ago and In Charlotte, Charlotte oh, Collier yeah. just joined their team. And so this has been the O'Connor, the winter of the O'Connors, Karen, or the spring of the O'Connor. <laughs> the winter of the O'Connors. Yes. Yeah. We need Karen on. We need Karen. We're yeah. trying to get, we, 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 uh, hopefully we yeah. someone needs to put a word in for us, Karen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It so, is. When you look at people that have ridden on the team for us, um, it's incredible how many at some point in their careers have ridden with the O'Connors. Yes. Yeah. It's incredible. Awesome. It's inc- I heard somewhere that, uh, I don't know if we heard it sh- 
straight uh, from Karen or not, but she was saying like she had some working students come in and they were like, they had to wash their own dishes and stuff. Like she was making them do house. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Like there's no, Oh yeah. You learn everything. You're top to bottom here when you're with the economists. Oh yeah. No, I learned. Yeah. I learned uh, how to set a table properly. Uh, When I was 19, they took me with them. They went over, they weren't competing, but they took me with them to Burley. And then, I mean, and I came, I was a small town girl from the Midwest. I'd never been overseas or anything. And they took me with them and uh, they took me to the George with some of their old friends, the Lindenbergs, and taught me. It was actually, it was super educational because they taught me how to, uh, like, have dinner conversation with the, you know, not strangers, but, you know, how to make polite conversation and what to do at a nice restaurant and everything else. So it's a very well-rounded wow. education. Wow. <laughs> well, how about that? Yeah. That's very good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should have tried to charm school at the same time. <laughs> I know. It definitely, it's a bit of charm school. <laughs> Karen taught me, Karen taught me a lot of cooking because I did not know how to cook. So, yeah, it's very well-rounded education. How about that? That's really cool. That's the nice, that's, yeah. the, that's the fun part of doing this is the cool little things that we learned about different people and different programs and yeah, stuff. That's yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And you definitely see so many people that have come up through their program. It's amazing. And how long have you been there? Do you yeah. want to mind me asking? Like, how long have you been? Like, how long? I, I came in uh, June, July 2005. So, 15 years now. Wow. wow. That's fantastic. And and like yeah. I think, and and you know you run your own program, so it isn't like you're you're still treated like a working student. You're still you're your own person. No, so no not you at all. You run your own business and everything. <laughs> yeah, that is fantastic. That is fantastic. Exactly. Can I ask? Uh, uh, can I ask how involved Mrs. Mars is in uh, with your horses and program? Yeah, no, she's she's very involved. Um, you know, the great thing with her is uh, she's she's extremely experienced and educated and you know she's she also has been through the extreme highs and lows with horses so you know she's very rational about everything that happens with them and realistic and she's also you know she's not a a pusher like she's you can call her before an event and just say you know I don't know why but this horse isn't feel right for this weekend and she's completely fine with you know like you don't feel uh uncomfortable making those kind of calls with her she understands sometimes you know you just you just feel things even if you can't pinpoint it um but she's also you know the great thing in virginia she's usually really busy working but when she comes to the farm in florida she'll come out on the golf cart in the morning and sit out in the rings and field with me while I ride everything and, you know, offer advice and, you know, she's, she's great and helpful that way. She's, she's seen it all and been through it all. So she's very good to bounce ideas off and everything else. Wow. What an amazing supporter of the sport. Oh yeah. Karen. She's, she's amazing. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm guaranteeing and, there's some Buckeye being fed in that, in that barn, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> definitely all Buckeye fed. Uh, that's for sure. But they all, they do great on it. They all look super on it. And, you know, she's, she's the type of owner, you know, she has obviously 
pet horses win some outstanding competitions and medals and everything else. But one of my favorite stories about her is actually it was at Red Hills years ago and uh I was riding Landmarks Monaco, which um Miss Mars other rider and my assistant rider Kimmy Ciceri now competes at advance. And it's and I had him in the then CIC one star. It was his first one star ever. And he was six and uh I mean I don't think we were in any incredible placing, probably, you know, middle of the pack. And he went cross country and she was in the finish box going across the finish line and was just crying and hugging him because she was just so ecstatic about her, you know, one of her homebreds moving up. So, you know, she genuinely just gets so much joy out of even the babies and moving up the levels as much so as uh, when they do Kentucky and teams and everything else. I love it. I love it. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice. And, you know, and that's what's interesting, too, that you I'm glad you say that because I think sometimes there's a uh, perception that when the horses start getting to those upper levels and they're in a big pre- breeding program and all that, that they're not special anymore to the owners and the riders. And that's mm-hmm. uh, many times that's not true. I mean, m- most times it's not true. I would say yeah. everyone I talk to, that's not true. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I think yeah. it, it kind of sometimes. And she, I mean, she owns a lot of horses and. You know, even the ones that aren't, you know, notable yet to the public, you know, she can recall the tiniest details about them. Like she very much knows her horses extremely well. Wow. That's awesome. That's very cool to know, Karen. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Hopefully someday we get to meet Ms. Mars. That'd be nice to. Okay. Yeah. Work on our working our way into the RV <laughs> at one of these events someday. Right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I was so bummed out. I was, I was I was I was messaging with someone at Buckeye, and they were like, "Oh, hey, so if you're going to Kentucky, let us know, and we'll get you into the VIP over here." And at the oh you know, at the yeah, and I was like, "That's my biggest bummer is that Kentucky was." I was like, "That was my chance in the the big oh. black camper." <laughs> But. is the coolest it really is awesome oh she's rubbing uh, it in on us hopefully <laughs> yeah i mean hopefully hopefully great meadow won't be canceled they'll have it at great meadow too i'm hoping the where they did last year i'm hoping the offer still stands if I you're know. listening to my friends at buckeye, Come on, buckeye. i'm sure it would i'm sure it would oh that's so funny yeah they're great it's the yeah the black trailer is that thing's crazy they do i don't know job. how it turns in yeah, it's amazing. The, the the whole great meadow thing that you bring that up, they do that. The Mars group does an amazing job with the hospitality for the the pup area, the dog yeah, area. Yeah, that was so nice. They do that. That show is really. And the one cool. thing, the one thing, um, you know, it should take the opportunity to make clear, and so that people give credit where credits due. Um, it's actually that not that it doesn't have anything to do with Miss Mars, but Miss Mars isn't the one that like makes the call for these events that the Mars corporation sponsors Mars corporation, their board and everything. And a group of people are the ones that are, you know, organizing all that and making all these, uh, great, uh, kind of improvements to the competitions they're at and everything. Um, so it's definitely, you know, just, you you want to make sure credit's given where credit's due. So it's actually, you know, that group of people of Mars Corporation that are 
putting these things on and doing the hospitality and everything else. And, you know, they do an amazing job at it. Yeah. And we need to make sure we're thanking people that are taking that step in that investment. You know, five years ago, there was no Buckeye involved. You know, there was no yeah had that and the fact yeah. that here they're, they're focusing and they're they're joining the eventing community and of course we're that's what major league is all about is eventing anyone who's going to go to eventing and try to make eventing better we we got to just say thank you you know <laughs> we'll make sure that people recognize who's, who's supporting the sport so just thanks <laughs> absolutely <laughs> right. absolutely so now the um the current business, what what's going on now? Were you planning on this year? Where you know it's an Olympic year. Were you having sights on you know getting to training camp and all that for this year? How's this affecting you? Yeah, um, it's a huge bummer, honestly. Uh, you know, we, I've got such a super string of horses, and you know, it's just they were all going great, and we're really looking forward to getting to Kentucky with uh, Vermiculous and Paramount Importance and uh, Monte Carlo. But, you know, unfortunately, it threw a wrench in things. And, uh, you know, it was, it, when Kentucky got canceled, my husband said, because we always have a joke that, you know, like six weeks out from Kentucky, riders just think it's a little crazy. And, <laughs> you know, so if my husband, Sam, you know, he just calls it pre-Kentucky Lauren. And then, you know, Kentucky got canceled. And a couple of days later, he's like, I thought pre-Kentucky Lauren was bad. He's like, but no Kentucky Lauren is way worse. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah. And then uh, when, you know, thing after thing started getting canceled, I I told him, I was like, if the Olympics is canceled, I'm going to have to get a puppy or something. Because, like, <laughs> this is just. And uh, so the day the Olympics got canceled. I found Bosley. He's <laughs> 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 an emotional support puppy. Yeah, uh, he is an emotional support puppy. So that's type, how Bosley came about. What type of pup is Bosley? He's a, a miniature long-haired dachshund. So I've got Boozer, who is, um, I've had him since I moved, like a year after I moved out to Virginia. So he's my old man that survived my twenties and the beginning of my thirties. So I've got him and then Benny, who is a long haired miniature Dawson. And then now Bosley. The Dawson's are cool dogs. They're fun. Yeah. I'm looking at a picture They're now. Fun. I'm looking at a picture now. Cutie. Cute pup. Very cute. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very cute. Well, Sam really wanted a black. He's like, the next time we get a, one i want a black one i don't think he meant this soon but <laughs> <laughs> you know and dotson lovers they're like they're they're my grandmother she was a dotson lover and like it, it's kind of one of those well, things once you get them you love them and you just keep getting them it's true and uh, they, and benny's great i mean like he's he's you know kind of cute and naughty but like they're they're very good like he doesn't run off like they're super loyal that way and yeah are they little hunters good. around the barn like well, I mean, I think he's a hunter, but he couldn't catch anything if it ran up and slapped <laughs> him in the face. <laughs> like, he, run, he runs around a lot like he's hunting something, but I, he's never going to find it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man, that's hysterical. That is hysterical. Oh. So, obviously, you know, you've been to the, the WEG, Olympics, Pan Ams. Uh, you know, what wh- what is the... 
Can you say out of all that, you know, I know uh, you've had some great success, some not so great success. What was a highlight? Can you talk about like the highlights of that? Uh, you've been to so many awesome shows. You just give us like one little favorite <laughs> highlight out of the career so far. Oh gosh. Um, you know, I think the, you know, the Pan Ams was kind of my first, uh, team competition and, and then obviously it was a, you know, great success. And I think that really kind of gets you addicted to it and just, you know, it, we've been, you know, 99% of our competing is not team related. And, you know, there's just that amount of camaraderie and, uh, you know, I think desperation is the right word of trying to reach the same goal is, uh, it's just kind of a once in a lifetime experience if you're lucky. And then, if you're really fortunate, you get to keep experiencing it. Absolutely. We need that. We need that. Like the U S was like dominant when the O'Connors were on the squads and all that. And we need to get that back. In the US. <laughs> we need to get back to that. We yeah, to we will. That. You know, I think we, yes, we absolutely will. And I think, you know, I think we absolutely have the quality of riders. We absolutely have the quality of horses. And, you know, I think one of the biggest, not biggest, but one of the key things we're missing is I think we spend so much time trying, thinking we're trying to be that we're not good enough. You know, we keep thinking we need to do things like Michael Young or we need to do things like this person or this person. And, you know, a huge part of competition in any sport is you've got to have a level of complete confidence you can beat everyone and you know there's got to be obviously you have to train and practice and keep improving but once you're out on the playing field there has to be to some extent a amount of arrogance because if you don't think you can beat them you're not going to you know it doesn't happen by accident so you know i think it's hard speaking from experience you know it's hard when you hear things from, you know, the public kind of all these things us American riders do wrong. And, you know, it's, you're kind of damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. And, you know, I've certainly been uh, at the brunt of the public's attention when things have gone wrong, but uh, you know, it's, it's certainly very educational. I learned how to, you learn how to deal with that. And you also, I think learned that, you have to make mistakes to when you're, when you're trying to win, things are going to go wrong and it goes wrong for the very best people. And you know, that's the only way you can win at these things. These big championships is you have to be willing to let things go wrong to learn how to. And I think, you know, that's one thing, uh, having lived overseas for a couple of seasons, that's one thing I think the culture is very different there and that when something goes wrong, when the riders are taking a crack at it, it's very much a clap you on the back and like, well done, you went for it. Whereas here, when that happens, it's very much, you just, it kind of gets overanalyzed and dissected and torn apart a bit rather than just kind of being accepted as 
well, you took a crack at it, and sometimes things just go wrong when you're trying to win. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know that. Uh, you know that's a such a great point that you brought up. That I, you know, it's been a little while since, especially without having a lot of competition yeah. to see. But you know, you're right. You were right on the, the the cutting edge, literally. And you know, there's that balance of going for whether it's in dressage and you're going for that extended canter, uh, you know, and you know, you could see it, the people who are mm-hmm. holding back and the people that are going for it, you could, you know what I mean? That's just yeah. an example in dressage. It's like, is this person going to, to try and to win? You know, they are pushing it to wow the yeah. judge or who's the person who knows their yeah. horse is a little hot. They're in that ring and they're holding back because they, they can't take it to that edge. And same with the cross country. Clearly right. we always think about cross country being that, but this is all three phases of putting it out there, you know, show jumping, you know, are we going for time and being careful, you know, like that, that fine balance between right. running through that triple combination and, or, or going yep. too slow and not having it. So I'm with you, you know, and, and at that high of a level with that much pressure, you know, I mean, God bless you for, for, for saying that. <laughs> and you know, I mean, but it's so true. And, and yeah. I don't think we hear that enough that yeah. listen to, to win, you have got to be on the edge of you know a little bit you know I, I was i was watching a little bit of facebook the other day and dom Schramm was giving someone a cross-country lesson and he was talking to someone next to him while this person he was coaching was out there and they said you know he said you know when they're, when, when we're going cross-country there's there's moments that you feel like that horse is on the edge on, on the verge of running off with you and you just gotta you know you yeah. gotta understand that that's part of it you know and you gotta get it back and <laughs> you know it's gonna be moments of yeah you know on the edge so yeah absolutely and it's just you know and i think it's it's human nature to want to be able to fix things you know like no one wants to have something go wrong and not be able to pinpoint exactly what went wrong and sometimes you can you know sometimes it's as simple as i just freaking missed at that jump but i think sometimes it gets to analyze and then you know if you if you throw everything out the window because one thing went wrong you can sometimes set yourself way further back whether rather than just looking at and saying oh next time I need to do this a little differently or whatever and you know sometimes it's just not your day I think I think we just and it is totally a culture thing like you know competing and kind of living overseas for a bit you know the culture is very different you very much get rewarded for taking a chance at it even if it goes goes wrong and you kind of just get ignored if you ride you know to be careful right right well hey that's that's excellent thank you so much for bringing that up that's that's why we do this show because it, I mean, really, you know, because, and, and just like you said, it's so easy to overanalyze. Now, listen, obviously I'm not a, I don't ride at any level. I'm just a big fan and spectator. And, but you know, it is very easy for watching and you, you know, sometimes you get the analysts saying, Oh, but they did this or this, or, you know, the highly critical people out there sometimes. And we all know who, yeah. who, you know, we hear the chirping and you say to yourself, yeah. Hey man, like you just said, sometimes, I just missed at that one jump or sometimes it just didn't work out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like we don't have to overanalyze yeah. the entire program leading up to it and what I ate that morning, you know, it was, exactly. it, it was uh, yeah. everything was going good. I had a bad moment and, yeah. and whatever it might be. So, and, and a lot of times yeah. I think that you're on the back of the horse, you know, what, yeah. you, you know, what's going on out there, dude. You know, you don't need anyone telling yeah. you, uh, 
<laughs> what 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 they think and they I, saw. And yeah, and you know, I, like I think, you know, Veronica, that really, I learned a lot. You know, I think she's gonna be a horse that I really would like to have a chance to have done the whole thing over again. You know, in ten years after I've learned a lot more, but like, you know, she's one that I mean the public you know the, the general public uh, i just got shredded when things went wrong you know i had a pretty bad kind of up and down 18 months with her you know and you had such great highs and great lows and you know i was damned if i did you know i sometimes i i was just trying to figure out how to win and sometimes i went at it too hard and would fall down and i would get you know kind of torn apart for how dangerous I was and everything else. And then, you know, the next event I go out and be slower and then I get torn apart for wasting the opportunity to win and going too slow. Oh, so, you know, you kind of like it, it was a hard learning curve because, you know, I think in, you know, Lynn Samansky and I had talked about it a lot at the first badminton we did in 2017, I think, you know, both of us were a bit slow, but we got around, which the vast majority didn't. And, you know, at the time, you're obviously disappointed you didn't make the time and win, but you're also kind of ecstatic you survived. And then you kind of get on the internet when you get back to the hotel and just people were just so disappointed in you. Uh, and it, you know, uh, it really kicks you in the gut. Because <laughs> uh, you're like, really? <laughs> never go on the internet. I just never survived badminton. <laughs> never, know. never go yeah, on the internet. That's, you know, that's obviously <laughs> something you learn later too. But you know, like it, it, it took me a while to get my upswing, you know, because it just, it, you know, it kills your confidence. And uh, once you finally learn that, that it just really doesn't matter what people think about you, then I kind of got it back on her. And obviously we kind of ended on a high with um, Burley and Badminton again. But, you know, it was, it, that was a huge education in my mental riding career during all that you know i don't think my riding so much changed it was just the mental side of it it was a very hard time to figure it all out yeah well that's that's something that a lot of us will never have to experience because only very few people are are (laughs) on the end well the the people like people like you you know the people who are at the very top of the sport are the ones who have to deal with that as opposed to yeah the 98 percent of us that are yeah uh, not not at the top uh, and uh, you know i can tell everyone out there you know you can say whatever critical things you have to say about all the riders but you're not going to beat them up any more than they're already beating themselves up <laughs> right. True. Right, right. Yeah. well and i think we've been there where as a, even at the lower levels as an amateur or whatever you know our own family and friends you know you you know before you leave starbucks that they, they're saying you know i just want to get around i don't want to fall off i just want to get around and have a good clean run and then they get around mm-hmm. they come work, and they come in like three seconds slow and they're like, I should have pushed it, you know? And it's like, <laughs> no matter right. what, at the end of the ride, you're re- analyzing what you could have done different, you know? And if it went yep. well, how could it have Absolutely. gone better? So, I th- and I think everyone yeah. at whatever level you're at can relate to that, you know, in their own way, except when you do it and yeah. you're at, uh, you know, at badminton, you know, <laughs> the whole world sees it and they decide they think they have to uh, tell you how to do it better. So I'd say stay listening yeah. to David and Karen and, you know, Devander. And, yeah. you know. <laughs> Sometimes it takes a hard time to, or a long time to learn that advice. 
but yeah. no, it all it all ends well. I think it's it's part of any sport. You read any biography of any top athlete, and they have you know as many lows as they have highs. I think you know you just kind of forget about them. Yeah. Right. The general public does. All you kind of you know. Well, I think one of the most fascinating biographies to read is um, Mark Todd's because obviously, if you think about Mark Todd, we all just remember all the things he won. And then when you read the biography, he remembers all the things he didn't win. <laughs> and, you know, like that's, you know, it's, it's interesting to read all of the low points because you don't remember those. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as, as someone in sports, like, oh, everybody has low points, not mm-hmm. just not just a one-off. Right. Well, and as and in any fan, with, with any fan, with any sport, you know, I'm from Philadelphia. Philadelphia fans are notorious for being the hard, hard fans. So, but they're also <laughs> diehard. They love their team. So, you know, the, people are critical right. because they love it. They have so much high hopes and so much expectation. And they, and they, they're trying to will, 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 will you on as well. So at the same time, Hey, we have some strong fans out there and just yeah, be gentle. <laughs> Just be gentle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just remember they read it. Uh, right. So, hey, and and the current business today, what what are what are do you uh, sell horses? Do you teach people? What do you do? Do you do clinics? How do what's in your what's your day to day business? Um, I'm super fortunate with um, you know, living on Miss Farm Mars Farm and having her own the majority of my horses. I'm I've got the luxury of being able to really focus on the riding side. So, um, you know, I've got a few horses, uh, owned by, um, of the outside owners and shout out to team Rebecca and Brandy Randerman and, uh, Debbie and Tony Adams. And I'm sure I'm forgetting something and I'm going to feel really horrible, but, uh, you know, it's definitely, I've got a great kind of small knit uh, group of owners and horses. So I get to really focus on the riding and I teach, you know, I try not to teach too much just because, you know, obviously that takes away from uh, the time I have to ride, but I do do teach, you know, I probably teach uh, two or three lessons every afternoon. Um, So I've got a few students more in Florida than in Virginia. I haven't done a whole lot of clinics, uh, but kind of for the same reason, you know, the, the more you're away doing clinics, the less you get to train at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And right now I'm super fortunate. I have that luxury that I can, which is, you know, very much because of Ms. Mars, uh, support. But, um, that's my day to day is the nice thing is I live on the farm too. So. I get up in the morning and I start riding and uh, ride till, you know, I usually try to get, ride like eight, nine or 10 horses and then teach a few lessons in the afternoon and evening and then do it all again the next day. And it's, it's very much the routine right now, especially since it's not getting broken up by any competition. Right. The higher level horses, you know, I try for them to be out for at least kind of an hour. Um, not obviously like drilling or anything that whole time. I do a lot of hacking and trotting. Uh, I think it's really, really important for them to do a lot of just kind of repetitive leg work 
uh, on the roads and hills and fields and stuff. I think it's a big contributor to their soundness. And then, uh, you know, with the younger horses and the ones that are, don't have to have so much fitness work, you know, you're kind of on them for 30 or 45 minutes. And they also, you know, they can't strengthen mentality wise. They can't or mental wise. They can't handle too much intensity for a long time in their work. So, you know, you kind of keep it more quality over quantity, especially, you know, when you're teaching them things on the flat and jumping. Gotcha. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. (laughs) So real quick, I always wonder like your boots, you wear riding boots. How long would a pair of boots last you? (laughs) That many horses all day long, every day are you going through boots like once a month or what? Um, I, I mean, I ride, I have, uh, the boots that I have right now are, um, I think I'm probably going to say it wrong. They're Seciari. Um, and I'm not sponsored by them, but if they would sponsor me, that'd be great. Uh, <laughs> but they, they hold up really well, actually. Uh, I only, I only had to take them in to get, uh, a whole patch on the calf, uh, this when I got down this winter and they're about a year old and those were the ones I wear every day. And then the ones I show in them, they're still going strong. So it definitely depends on the quality of boot you get. Like you, you get what you pay for, right? Yeah. you know, I've had other boots that don't last very long yeah. at all. <laughs> patches, patches on the inside. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, exactly. But when you're living in them all day, it's worth, Pain, good money for him. Amen. Uh, So, Lauren, we're going to play quick fire questions. Quick fire questions. We're going to just ask five simple questions. Super tough questions. They're not super tough. It's called quick fire, but you don't have to answer them fast. (laughs) All right, but you are are graded. You are graded. (laughs) You are graded. Strict graded. I like to win. (laughs) (laughs) We get that all the time. <laughs> All right. Favorite event to compete at? Kentucky or Aachen. Okay. Good answer. Aachen. Oh, we already get to Aachen yeah. someday, Karen. Oh, yeah. Goodness. Yeah. Aachen's amazing. Buchalo is a close third. All right. Buchalo is awesome, too. Hmm. All right. Hmm. Uh, fa- <laughs> <laughs> favorite, favorite rider growing up? Uh, it would have been Mark Todd. I had lots of posters of Mark Todd and I had lots of pictures or posters of Karen O'Connor and Ann Krasinski. You know, remember that Young Rider magazine back then? And they always had the big, the big old poster in the middle. Oh yeah. I had my wall was covered in those. That's cool. I got to get back to those days. Posters. I used to have a bunch of them. (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah all right uh do you have any good luck or superstitions before you go out cross country i always have to put my right boot on first um and i always wear socks uh, miss mars got them for me a few years ago and uh i they i can't remember what event it was but i think i won they said the socks were lucky so then she went she went to that tag store and uh bought them out so she's like well these should last you for a few years then. Uh, so she bought all of the the socks they had left that were that color which turned out to be handy because the the sock company actually like been out of business or whatever and they didn't make them anymore so at least i've got 
Yeah, and I'm still asking for a few years. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. If you could try a different discipline, what would it be? Raining. Oh. I love raining. I actually worked at a raining barn for a while uh, to make extra money when I was younger. And uh, they, I I went there and I, I see you make money. I said, I can do a reenie in the barn. He said, would you do that? Yeah. Crap where they put their heads down, do changes. Yeah. I said, yes. <laughs> and he said, all right, we've got 33 year olds. Uh, you ride those every day. If they don't do changes in two weeks, let me know. And we chuck them out in the field. And that, and, but I, you know, so I rode a lot, a lot of three-year-old quarter horses, but, um, they he let me ride some of the more experienced his kind of top rainers and that is the most fun i've had except for going cross country on a horse like they are so smart and so fast and it's it's quite the adrenaline rush to ride a well-trained rainer that's really cool they must be so sensitive too yeah they must be like oh it's incredible like they and they're so smart like those horses know exactly what they're doing. That's awesome. Huh. That's awesome. Yeah. It's a good cross training. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Last question. <laughs> if you could ride any horse, past, present, or fiction, who would it be? Uh, I don't, I'm not very quick fire on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I would ride, uh, Heinrich Ramica's horse. Uh, what was it? Marius that won Beijing. Oh. Wow. Good answer. Wow. Yeah. I always, the funny thing is, you know, um, I, you, I always had the VH, I always got the VHS and then DVDs of the big event. Right. And I always loved that horse as a kid watching it do, you know, badminton and Burley and everything else. I mean, it just kind of looked like a, it just looked very fun. Like he was just this uphill white kind of overgrown pony. It looks like, and just jumped everything and just looked really fun. I would love to ride that horse. That's awesome. Very cool. Good answer. Karen. She won. <laughs> she won. <laughs> she won. Winner. <laughs> Winner. Oh, a plus plus. You tell everyone Pl- that. Never, never. Listen back, listen to the tape. Never. <laughs> Maybe once or twice, but every, every week you get a better and better answer. To well, it. everyone gets A plus plus, but. Lauren's the first one to win. Oh, first winner. Yes. There you go. You won quick fire. I like it. (laughs) I like it. No bronze for you. Gold, gold medal. (laughs) No fluttering turds. No. No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. So, Lauren, do you have any advice for a rider trying to make it in this sport? Uh, I'd say the slower you go, the faster you get there. Um, you know, I think I see more and more every year, uh, people looking like they're not prepared for the level they're going. Um, and you know, I think I also see a lot of, you know, people that do this as a hobby or anything else. And, you know, they kind of seem they seem to think they should be moving up the levels. Like that's something that they have to do. And, you know, if you're doing this for fun, then 
don't go a level that's not fun, you know, like absolutely keep working on yourself and challenging yourself and your training. But, you know, I think people forget that you don't always, you don't have to be scared, (laughs) you know, like you don't, it's not a requirement to be scared when you're going out there. That doesn't, you know, that's when I teach cross country lessons, you know, that's the biggest thing I see with new people is they seem to think even when you're schooling, that there needs to be a certain amount of adrenaline to it. And, you know, I think especially when you're schooling, you don't need to, you know, you need to do the exercises in a calm, confident fashion because, you know, cross country is scary enough, even when you're, you know, it, it has enough of its own adrenaline, even when it's all going right, you're perfectly prepared. So, you know, I just, I keep seeing riders that are, you know, we all see them and know them, the ones that you gas and the ones in the warm-up are really scary and the trainers are telling them to go faster and that's not the way you fix things and you know I also would suggest if you know when you're going out looking for a trainer you should also you know look at how their students are doing and what their students results are like because I think that can tell you a lot about their program and you know I just I would like to see a lot more people looking a lot more calm and confident uh, when they're warming up for cross country. And it's, you know, the sport's getting harder. You know, I'm, I know there's a lot of people that say the good old days were just as hard wherever else, but you know, the, the fences are different it's hard and it's tough. And, you know, we need to, you know, the younger riders and the trainers, their trainers and, you know, even some adults, need to take responsibility for being safer and you know not making it if it's too if it's scary to the general public then you need to go take some steps backward and and fix things yeah i love it amen oh yeah absolutely (laughs) no i think that's fantastic because you know it can't all be uh, it doesn't matter how safe we make the obstacles on cross country or show jumping you know accidents happen and if, if, if yeah. the riders can be more prepared, you know, so I think that's, yeah. I think that's fantastic. You know, we know some folks out there, you know, uh, I mean us, you know, where, where it's been like, you know, you push to get up the level and it's like, why are we, why yeah. you're not happy there. You're not comfortable yeah. there. Like stay where you're comfortable until yeah. you're comfortable and then push yourself, you know, like you don't have to, you know, absolutely you don't have to be white knuckles out there. It's not good mm-hmm. for you or the horse or, or anyone else around that has to pick you up off the ground. If, yeah. You know, when, when, when you plaster yourself. So, right. Amen. I yeah. Love and, you know, I think it's, you know, and, you know, I think one, a good rule of thumb, you know, that I kind of tell my students is, you know, when you feel like you're ready to move up, do two more events at the level you're at. And then if you still feel like that, you know, like then, you know, don't just have one good event and then be like, all right, let's make it harder. You know, it's, it's about, uh, you know, as, as the lesson with Karen often goes, especially jumping, if you do it once, right. She's like, all right, do it two more times and prove it wasn't a fluke, you know? Good. Good mm-hmm. answer. Mm-hmm. Well, if it comes from Karen, <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> never, I would never question Karen's. <laughs> <laughs> for sure <laughs> she's laughing but i'm serious yeah, i laughing. wouldn't recommend it <laughs> i would not recommend questioning her <laughs> excuse me karen uh let's talk about this whole fluke yeah. for- <laughs> uh, i wouldn't recommend it 
<laughs> Someone tells me there's not much chit chat uh, going on about debating. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Karen, is this fantastic? This is great. So, Lauren, yeah. as we wind things down, um, how do people follow along contact information or, or social media handles that you have? Yeah. Uh, I, my Facebook, uh, Lauren Keeper of Insane, and then my Instagram, also Lauren Keeper, Keeper of Insane. Uh, you know, we keep uh, that updated super regularly um, with a lot of great things going on, just even everyday stuff and uh, little kind of train tips and clips of riding at home and just uh, kind of behind the thing, scenes things with the horses. And uh, even our sponsors give a lot, do a lot of great giveaways and everything on there too. So you can, you can uh, get yourself some free stuff. Everybody loves free stuff. Who doesn't oh, love yeah. free stuff? Everything's updated on the social media, <laughs> except for the name, Karen. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Is that going to change eventually? Uh, that's or, a bit slower. Is that a transition that's going to happen? You think, or are you going to keep a professional name of Lauren Keith? Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll I'll slowly transition. It's more a matter of getting all the paperwork done, which wouldn't be my strong suit. But <laughs> I don't have much of an excuse now that we're not competing. Gotcha. So Lauren Nicholson, we'll have to get used to that Karen because yeah. Lauren Keith is such a iconic, <laughs> iconic name. So we're going to lose it, but. So, Karen, was this fantastic? This is great. Lauren, thank you so much for joining us. This was a real pleasure for us to get a chance yeah, to Yeah, thanks with you. for having me. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. You can leave us a review on Apple iTunes or visit us at MajorLeakEventing.com. Cheers.